Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenyuk, Cantonier scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up with a drop, look at it, he's in the line, waiting, scores! This is the Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. I think it all depends also on what the mindset is of uh, of Mark Bergevay. Uh, if, like we've heard from the credible people, like the, the insiders, uh, where they say that Mark Bergevay, he's all in, and he's going out there to win uh, the Cup, if, example, the Canadians go on and, let's say, lose the next two games against the Bruins and the St. Louis Blues, well, then I think you might start thinking about it. There's the week, uh, the, the bye week that's coming up five days. So it's a window of opportunity for him if he's going to make a move to do it at uh, that time. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here today. As you know, I made a major change yesterday in the Montreal Canadian organization when I decided to relieve Michel of his duties. I'm sure you will understand it was not an easy decision, but I've always said that I will make the best possible decision for the Montreal Canadian given the situation. And this the reason why I made that decision yesterday. Michel and I worked cl- very closely together over the past five years. We fought some big battles and experienced strong emotion together. And above all, we always de- demonstrated integrity in our dealing with each other and with the Montreal Canadian organization. Those who knows me, I am engaged body and soul with my team. I will never think twice about going down the trenches and fighting alongside them, players and coaches. This is what I've always done with Michel, and I will do it Claude. And this is why the decision was all the more difficult. Our working relationship has always been marked by intensity, sincerity, and emotion, and our meeting yesterday was no different. Today, I would like to publicly express my gratitude to Michel and thank him for everything he has done for the Montreal Canadiens. He's a great coach, and I wish him every success in the future. That said, I've reached the conclusion that we were at a turning point of our team, and that's why I decided to make this change in the club's best interest. I'm convinced that hiring Claude Julien, we are getting one of the best coaches in the NHL. In my estimation, to this point, we have reached Claude is the best man to help reach our our goal. Claude has to prove his worth. That, uh, you know, I, I was a guy that was let go uh, about a week ago, and a little over a week ago, and uh, uh, I know the feeling uh, of when you're let go. 
Uh, it's not a, a, a fun feeling. It's not uh, something that you like to go through. Uh, we know how much it affects uh, not just you but your family. Uh, and uh, so I certainly want to, you know, talk about uh, Mike Terrier, who, who I know is going through those same feelings right now. It's not easy for me as a coach to come in here knowing that you replacing another coach who's going through the same things that, that you have. And, uh, you know, Mike is a good coach. Uh, I know from coaching against him, he, uh, he's not an easy coach to, to, to try and match lines against, et cetera. And uh, he does, he's done a great job there. So, you know, uh, I want to wish Mike the best of luck because uh, I know he's a good coach and uh, uh, I know he'll bounce back at some point. All right, welcome everybody to episode 189 of the, of the Habs 360 podcast for the Saturday, February 19th. 2017. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980 on Twitter. And with me, my co-host, editor-in-chief and owner of the Habs Network of Science. You can follow me on Twitter at All Habs. Rick, welcome to the show. And well, it was supposed to be an off week for the Canadians, but boy, did a lot happen. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, first of all, especially for episode 199. That means the big one's next week. Um, and uh, But this was a big week. This was this was uh, a lively week, an active week. Um, and I, am, I'm a, am I detecting that you're a little subdued or, or are you even a little sad about what's happened this week? Well, we have to stay tuned over the next 60 minutes <laughs> and uh, <laughs> find out. So after our last episode, the Canadians lost their next two games that weekend against the uh, St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. And well, uh, it seemed that if the Canadians would have lost those two games, that it could have happened, and well, it did. During the uh, the bye week on Tuesday, we heard the announcement that was made by uh, Bergevin at the top of today's episode, along with uh, Claude Julien, who was named the new head coach of the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Our question of the day, because we know Half 360 is the most informative the most interactive podcast. And we also get pretty, um, I don't know if excited is the right word. It, gets, it could get pretty lively here on, uh, on the podcast. And well, this week's question is, what are expectations for the rest of the season now that, Cla- that Claude Julien is the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens? You can let us know via Twitter, at Habs360, or you could visit uh, the All Habs Facebook page and leave us your comments. And also during today's third segment, the phone lines will be open if you want to call us and give us your thoughts. So the agenda for today's episode, pretty simple. In a couple of minutes, we'll start talking about the uh, Michel Therrien side of, of, uh, of the story. Then in the second segment, we're going to cover the Claude Junior side of the story and uh, what to expect going forward for the Canadians. And then in the third segment, we're going to tackle a question of the day with your comments, your tweets, and your comments on Facebook and your phone calls. And we'll also tell you about a contest that's going to run this week to celebrate episode 200 of the Habs 360 podcast, which is next Saturday. And we are giving the opportunity to one of our followers, one of our listeners, to win a gift card to a tavern Gaspar, which is in old Montreal. Right, so let's start with uh, the game on uh, Sunday, which was the conclusion 
of the back-to-back -back games for the Canadians. Uh, this was the game in Boston. The Canadians, 4 nothing was a score that they lost by. And it was a, in that game, the team just wasn't in it from beginning to start. Um, it just, it's like they didn't care or anything. Let's hear what uh, Carey Price had to say after that game. I don't know. We just seem to have found, lost our identity. Um, you know, we're, we're a little loose. Um, you know, I think we just have to uh, take a step back and, and get refocused. And also, Carey Price talked about losing the identity. And just watching that game, I, I sent a text to, to Rick. I sent you a text and I wrote, so I think it might happen. It was able to tell that from the body language, not only from the coach, from the players, uh, from the way that they were playing on the ice, that that it had to happen. It, it was just too obvious to me. Rick, how are you feeling after that game? Well, the uh, it was it was a rare point of agreement. Um, when I got your text, I I, I agreed with you a hundred percent. Whether you're a, a, a cheerleader for uh, Michelle Terrian or, or whether you've been critical of him, uh, after that game, uh, it was pretty evident that he had lost the players. Um, I, I, that, that, was, that, was such a, that was such a litmus test, such a pivotal game, because it's the Boston Bruins, the most hated rival of, of the Canadians. And wherever the Canadians have been in the standings, um, when they play the Bruins, it's an intense game uh, over the years. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, you know, the, the, the gap in the standings between the teams or anything. Always an intense game. That was the most uh, lackluster, uninspired Bruins-Canadians game personally I've, I've ever witnessed. And it was just kind of a clear indication to me that, that the Canadians were, were no longer listening to the, uh, the messages that Tarion was, was delivering. Um, and I must say when we did the podcast last week, I, I, I was uh, skeptical of whether the change would happen. I, I know lots of people were Elliot Friedman said, no, this is not going to happen. And it's probably because of, uh, Mark Bergevin's um, loyalty uh, and the fact that, you know, through the disaster last December um, uh, of last season that, that uh, Bergevin stood by him. But, but something was really different after that Bruins game. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Yes, after that game, uh, it opened up the possibility of, of it happening. And we know now that it was after that game, it was late Sunday that Mark Bergevin reached out to the Bruins for, for permission to talk to Claude Julien. And, and as everybody, I think it was reported uh, from Chantal Maccabé uh, right after, I think it was the day after the announcement was made. So on Wednesday morning, uh, she went on 91.9 FM here in Montreal, and she said that uh, following the game against uh, the Arizona Coyotes, uh, she had an off-the-record talk with uh, with Michel Terry. She ran into him at the hotel after that game. He was outside uh, having a cigarette, and apparently he told her that he knew that if uh, things uh, don't turn around quickly, 
that he could possibly uh, be losing his job. And, you know, coaching a team for five years is not uh, something that happens uh, frequently, in, not only in hockey, but in the professional sports in, uh, in general. So you still had a, a decent stint when it comes to length with uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And one of the questions that uh, Mark Bergevin was asked at the, uh, the press conference was about that meeting that he had with the leaders, with Shea Weber, with uh, Carey Price, and Max Pacioretty. And while we heard Max Pacioretty downplay it, but let's hear uh, what uh, Mark Bergevin said about that meeting. I want to be clear on this because that was blowing out of proportion. Just want to make sure that everybody understands and I'm clear on this one. Michelle and I had a meeting in the morning, and we're talking like we talk every day. Uh, and I mentioned I was going to meet some players and to join me. And Michelle says, "You know what, Mark? Today's a day off for the team, for the coaches. You know, maybe you just maybe you just go along." So Michelle was where. Aware of the situation, and it was not about Michelle telling in my conversation. It was very—I'm not going to go into detail what we talked about, but it was not about Michelle. And uh, if I want to do a meetings, and I think I'm a little, little more common sense, I'm not going to sit in the lobby in a hotel. So uh, it was a meeting about our team, and Michelle was well aware, and it was blown out of proportion. So just want to be on the record on that one. So Rick Mark Bergevin is there was downplaying the importance of that meeting. But when we find out that two or three days after that meeting that uh, Mark Bergevin asked permission to the Boston Bruins to speak to Claude Julien, it's, um, you can pretty much imagine what was said during the meeting. And maybe the players didn't specifically call out and ask for Michel Thierry to get fired, but it must have been made clear to Mark Bergevin that a change uh, had to happen. Well, I think that um, given Mark Bergevin's comments, we were dead on when, when we described um, the, the nature of the meeting. And, and um, you know, I, I, I said at the time um, um, that yeah, it, it wouldn't have got out. If Mark Bergevin wanted it to be a secret meeting, it, it wouldn't have got out. And as he said, he wouldn't have met in the lobby of a hotel. So it was just... Um, a clearing of the air. And uh, it, I think that's the, the phrase that I used on the, the podcast last week. And, and so maybe, um, as you say, during the, the clearing of the air, it became um, to Mark Bergevin that um, the coach's message wasn't, wasn't, he, he knows what Tarion says to the players. And if the players aren't, aren't, spitting that back to him he knows that the message isn't getting through and I think it's really really clear uh, it was clear to me beforehand that the message wasn't getting through but um, it, it was clear afterwards um, that that the message um, hadn't been getting through when you listen to the players there there was there was not a lot of of um, kind of outward uh, criticism of Terry and other than than uh, perhaps uh, pattern, but Carrie Price said um, when talking about the change, it's not only a new game plan, it's not only new tactics, but it's the team accepting and implementing the new the new game plan, and insinuating that that they just weren't accepting 
what the coach was, what Tarion was saying, and they weren't able to implement what, what the coach wanted. Um, so I think from Bergevin's conversations with the, with the leadership group, um, he was able to, to understand that and perhaps move him along um, as far as, yes, a, a change was going to be necessary. Well, let's hear uh, just a, a, a couple of clips from uh, Carey Price and Max Patrick who commented on uh, the firing. Uh, well, I think surprised with everybody else. Um, you know, I think it's always a, it's always a big move when you see see a head coach get moved. But um, when I heard who we were hiring, I was also excited. Michelle was great here, and uh, first and foremost. Uh, you know, it was really hard news to hear him uh, get fired because he was so um, made such a big impact on myself and, and my career. So that was uh, first and foremost. Um, you know, when I got that news, it was pretty upsetting. But you know, now worrying about the future, uh, you know, it's exciting that um, you know we're able to come in and guys uh, maybe get a little bit of a clean start. He's and Rick, whether it be from, I know we just heard only from Terry Price and Max Patretti, but there's a, a bunch of audio available for from other players as well. And like you said, except uh, Craig Patterson, and even if you look at the press conference of uh, Mark Bergevin, it seems like they were still like protecting their old coach. It wasn't a type where they threw him under the bus as soon as the news was out that, uh, that he got fired. No, and you'd expect that, particularly from Max Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty was saying, not Max Pacioretty things, he was saying the captain of the Montreal Canadiens kinds of things. He was saying all the kinds of things that the organization uh, wanted out there. Um, you know, Carey Price, if you read between the lines, there was there was a lot more meat there, and, and there was... Um, you know he's a he's a careful person. He's a thoughtful person. He's not a a person that's going to throw anybody under the bus. But you know he's also an honest person. And and if you read between the lines, there was some indirect criticism, let's say. Um, and that that was that was the same case for um, uh, Jeff Petrie when 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 he he spoke. There was some things he said that was kind of. Um, you know, he, he talked about, um, the new coach, um, saying that, that they should just go out and play and, and not to worry that, that, um, that Julian would make changes on the fly. And that was something that they hadn't had before with, with Tarion. Um, Patterson, as we said, was, you know, talked about Tarion breathing down his neck. I think there was just a, a feeling um, of of uh, a, the, a lack of trust by the coach in his players that that they all felt that they were on a on a very short leash leash and couldn't make mistakes. Um, listen, I've I've I, let let me say something good about about Michelle Terrian. Um Oh wait, wait! I need to start the recording. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, okay, it's not. It's not going to be. It's not going to be long. Um, Jacques Martin was a better coach than Guy Carboneau, no question. Uh, Guy Car- I, I, when I went to practice as at Broussard, there was uh, Guy Carboneau practice. I've never seen such disorganization in, at any level of a hockey practice with a lack of a goal. Guy Carboneau was 
was a bad coach um, and he couldn't communicate with his players. Jacques Martin was a better coach than that. Having said that, Michel Therrien was a much better coach than Jacques Martin. So there's been incremental progress. Therrien brought in a, a, a structure. He brought in a system. Be, criti- be critical if you want of it. Uh, and he brought in discipline, which was, which was needed at that time. Because uh, it, it kind of got out of control with the Jacques Martin into Randy Cunningworth. The, the team got out of control. So he brought in, in discipline. All great. Having said that, the kinds of tactics that he used, the kind of system that he used, you can be critical of him because, I, I mean, you, whether, whether, whether you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins or you look at the Montreal Canadiens, Michelle Therrien teams are at the bottom third in the league in shots for. Always, always been that way. They're in the bottom third of the league in shots allowed. They need a good goalie, Carey Price, to win Michelle Therrien rode on the coattails of, of, of Carey Price. So if you look at his tactics and systems, you may say, oh, he's a mediocre coach. Um, you know, the score, uh, Hockey News, they all ranked Therrien around 25th in the league out of 30 teams. Okay. But I think what, what was difficult and what, what came to the parting are, are, are when it goes a little bit further Terrian's stubbornness, his inability to adapt, his inability to adjust on the fly, that makes him a bad coach. And, and his inability to communicate with the players, but destroying confidence, making, making his team very fragile, that makes him a very destructive coach. And that, that's where the point where, where it's gotten to now. The, the team is fragile, and it's going to take a lot you know, Julian's going to come in and make and we're going to talk about Julian later, but he's going to make his tactics changes. But his biggest job is rebuilding the confidence of this team. I just want to add to your list of some uh, positive things that uh, Michel Therrien did uh, during his tenure, because Michel Therrien has his, uh, his part of the blame on the team's uh, lack of success in the last stretch in uh, all of last season as well. Definitely agree that he has is part of the blame as well. But he did do some positive things uh, during his tenure, and I think uh, people easily uh, dismiss it. So I'm just adding to uh, what you mentioned earlier, Rick, because I agree with that as well. Uh, this was the longest tenure behind a Montreal Canadiens bench since uh, Scotty Bowman. So that one thing is a, is a positive. So he must have done some good things to stay with that team for so long. And uh, when he came in, he took a team that was last place, in the division in the league and he made them to a playoff team for three consecutive seasons and that included a, a conference final appearance and a total of three playoff series uh, wins uh, under his tenure Carey Price he had his MVP season where he wiped out he, he collected all of the awards and uh, brought them home uh, we had P.K. Subban who won the Norris Trophy during the, uh, the shortened season uh, there was a couple of players that the Canadians picked up. So, well, I should say Mark Prejovin picked up. And while there were no names for other teams, and they became somebody's. Well, but I mean somebody's, I'm not saying they became superstars, but one player that I could think about right away that became rich, and you could thank uh, Michel Therrien for that, is uh, Dale Weiss, who is now the Philadelphia Flyers, and he isn't doing much. 
And we have Max Patrick, who, has, who is almost a, a 35 to 40 goal scorer every season. Uh, I think there's Brendan Gallagher, even though he slowed down this year. He, he was consistently scoring at 22 at 25 uh, goals uh, this uh, every year. And if you look at Michel Therrien's overall record as a coach for the Canadians, he had a record of 271, 198, 23 ties, and 50 overtime losses. So that's a record of over 500. So I think those are just a couple of uh, the good things that uh, Michel Therrien did uh, under his uh, tenure. Now let's hear uh, Mark Bergevin on uh, one of the reasons why he decided to let go of uh, Therrien. Uh, I have my own opinion on this, and uh, it's there's things I have to keep internally, you know, uh, how I feel about our team. But at the end of the day, I just didn't feel the guys performed the way they should have. And uh, yes, we had some injuries. Yes, the guys step up, they play well. But uh, you know how tight the NHL is today, and uh, we've been healthy, and just there was a sign that uh, there was something not going right. So definitely, uh, Mark Bergevin knows that something didn't is not going right. He didn't share it with the media, and that'll take it was uh, he had to share it. It's uh, I guess none of our business is what we should say. So we'll we'll stick to uh, speculating and and trying to figure out what that is by watching the games on the ice and uh, reading the quotes and listening to uh, everything that's uh, going uh, that's going on. We're gonna take our first break here on the Habs 360 podcast. On the other side, we're gonna talk about Claude Julien. But before we do that, we're also going to talk about the timing of uh, the of the termination. And w- later on in today's episode, we're also going to tackle our question of the day. What are your expectations for the Canadians for the rest of the season? Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 podcast and Anthony from R2Canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season, I will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 podcast and follow Habs360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the St. John's Icecaps or the Brampton Beast more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs 
when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 189 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, February 19th, 2017. My name is Chris G at Chris G 1980 on Twitter, along with Rick Stevens, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. And, well, Rick, the question that I had that I was thinking uh, to myself uh, since the announcement was made is, would... Michel Therrien would have been let go if Claude Julien was not available. What are your thoughts? That, exactly. Um, I, I think that's, that's, that's the best question to, to ask. And, and my, my, I don't, I don't think so. Um, it was kind of a tailor-made solution for Bergevin. Uh, why didn't he make the, the decision last season um, because there was nobody uh, that he was comfortable with um, that was waiting in the wings. Um, You know, the fact that, that Julian was there, you know, caused him, I think, to move very quickly. Um, And you heard him say that in his estimation, um, you know, Julian is one of the best coaches in the league. I, I, I would you know, if, if you're, if you're breaking down coaches in groups of three, um, I think the top three, and there's kind of consensus about it. The top three coaches in the league are Mike Babcock, Joel Quenville, Barry Trotz. Now where the argument happens is in, is Julian in the second three or is he in the third three? Is he in with the Ken Hitchcocks? And I know Hitchcock got fired, but, um, or is he in like the third three with Dave Tippett, Lindy Ruff? And so is, is Julian a top six or a top nine coach? I don't know, but, but, and, and we can debate that, but that's not the point. Julian is, is at least, you know, one of the be- one of the top 10 coaches in the league. Um, he is the, uh, he, he's the winningest coach in Bruins franchise history. Um, he, he's, was, solid enough that Mike Babcock added him to the uh, world cup and the Olympic uh, squad. Uh, So he's, he was a solution, a ready-made solution for um, Mark Bergevin. And I think, I think Bergevin saw uh, this, this gift from heaven drop into his lap and, and, and um, you know, uh, as, as much loyalty and as much friendship um, as he felt for uh, Michelle Terry, and he knew there was something wrong, and here was an easy-made solution for him. He had to act. And you know, uh, when I was thinking about this question, it's I, t- I sort of during the week changed my mind about it because when I first heard about the news, I was like, "No, what this was done because Claude Julien uh, was available." But then it was reported by uh, both uh, Pierre Lebrun and uh, Bob McKenzie that the Canadians had asked permission to speak to uh, Gerard Gallant 
formerly of, of the Florida Panthers. And so that means that, and while well, we're assuming that it would have been targeting for a head coaching uh, a position, but to me, it seemed I thought like maybe the decision was made after that game on Claude Julien wasn't, um, wasn't available or if it weren't, things wouldn't have worked out that maybe uh, Gerard Gallant would have been the, the second person in line. And that, just as the news of Gerard Gallant as well, made me think of two things. Number one is Gerard Gallant doesn't speak French. So is Mark President open to, not only Mark President, Jeff Molson as well, were they open to that uh, possibility? And my second question when I heard about that was, what about Kurt Muller? Like, Everybody, when Kirk Muller was named as an associate coach, we all thought that if something would have happened with the Mark with the Michelle Terry this year, that Kirk Muller would have been the one that to take the reins at least until the end of the season. But Rick, uh, now with the Claude Julien being with Montreal names for the next five years, look at somebody as like Kirk Muller, if he's uh, aspiring to be a head coach of the Canadians or a head coach in the NHL, it won't be with the Canadians. Yeah, this is, it's got to be tough for um, Kirk Muller because he left St. Louis with, you know, a very good chance. He had a, a, a very good chance of by the end of the, the year, let's say a 50-50 chance that he would be the head coach of the St. Louis Blues because we, you know, there was the news that Hitchcock was going to um, um, retire. Um and so he he came to the Canadians out of Kirk Muller loves the, the the Montreal Canadiens. He's loyal to the Montreal Canadiens. He still feels all the feelings he had when he was captain, um, but he want, also wants to be a, a head coach. So um, I think I think that the Julian Muller team could be very effective, extremely effective. Um, and it all depends on how much responsibility that Julian is is uh, willing to relinquish to to Mueller. And and given the kind of of coach he is, he's not as um, he's not a Michelle Terrian. He's not a you know my way or the highway kind of thing. Um, he's he's more a, of a collaborative kind of guy. And and so I think that there's a better chance of of Mueller staying in this role that he has there, He probably has an out that, um, you know, to, to go to another team if he wants to, uh, if, if he has the opportunity to be a head coach, but I think it's, you know, I understand why the, all of the assistants and associates were kept for now. Um, but I can't, I can't, Lacroix, uh, Jodoin, Daniel, they've been awful. Daniel in particular, awful. Whenever he's been given something, it's failed. Um, I can't see any of the three of them lasting beyond the year. So to have some carryover, I, I expect that Stefan Waite's going to be there, and I expect that Kirk Muller is, is going to remain, and they're going to do everything they can to keep him because he has an obvious uh, connection and, and, and a very effective way of communicating with, uh, with the players. And really 
kind of saved uh, Tarion or extended Tarion a little bit longer than than otherwise he he might have might have might have been. Yeah, I agree that Kirk Muller, uh, at least the Canadians will want to keep him. Will they be able to keep him? That uh, I'm not convinced of it either. Who knows? Maybe a team like Las Vegas might give uh, you know might give somebody like Kirk Muller an opportunity. And if you look at uh, whether it be Michel Terrier, whether it be Claude Julien, whether you look at Gerard Gallant, and, or whether you look at Kirk Muller, four guys who are, let's say, in the mix of having a Montreal Canadian coaching job, what do they all have in common is that they've all been here before. So it looks like the Canadians just keep uh, looking for coaches who, uh, who have been with the organization before and giving them a, a, second, um, a second chance. Let's hear now Mark Bergevin on why he hired Claude Julien. Uh, credibility, experience, uh, being here before this market. Uh, I, I mean, you mentioned Stanley Cup, proven winner. Uh, you know, I think he's a well-respected guy. You know, uh, I mean, you, you, I think there was a statement by, by uh, Patrice Bergeron yesterday, which to me is uh, the salt of the air gentleman. So uh, it says everything about uh, Claude Julien. So Claude Julien will coach game number 1,000 regular season game in the NHL on Thursday night when the Canadians face the New York Islanders. Uh, Julien led his team to a Stanley Cup championship in 2011 and also reached the Stanley Cup finals in 2013. He led the Bruins to the President's Trophy in 2013-2014 after getting 117 points in the standings. And in 2008-2009, Julien was a Jack Adams Trophy recipient as the NHL's head coach of the year. So... That's his accomplishments with the NHL without I'm not even looking at his accomplishments and his track record in international hockey. So definitely he does come in to the Canadian organization with the with lots of credi- credibility. Let's hear what Claude Julien thought about the Montreal Canadiens. This is on his conference call. So this he still hadn't stepped foot in Montreal. Oh, I think they're they're a good team. Listen, we we all know there's probably they got the best goaltender in the world. I would have to say, uh, you know, they're solid in the back end. Uh, that's not to say that we we don't have to fix and make our team better, uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of talent up front, and I know that that talent has been a little bit dried up as far as the scoring goes uh, lately. But we got to fix all those things, and uh, that's that's my uh, that's my job. I'm here to kind of fix and tweak and do things that's going to make this team uh, put this team back on track, and that's what I intend to do. They're, uh, they've got good skill. They, they skate well. Uh, they've got a good balance of, of grit and skill and, uh, and some size. And uh, So basically, uh, I think we're going to make sure that we uh, uh, exploit that and, and use it to, our, to the best of our knowledge and uh, to the best of their abilities. And well, then on Friday afternoon, it was, the, it was Claude Julien's first practice as a head coach for the Montreal Canadiens in the Brossard. And it was an intense practice. It was the first practice after the Canadiens, their, their five-day uh, off that they, they had. Claude Julien spoke to a lot of players on the ice and to a lot of the coaches. And it was the point where himself and Kirk Muller were the last ones off the ice. All the players had left. Uh, from the ice, they were off changing. Uh, Duval Claude Julien and the Kirk Muller were on the ice speaking. So definitely Claude Julien was out there trying to get as much information as he could from uh, from Kirk Muller. 
And then, Rick, on uh, Saturday, yesterday, the Canadians faced the Winnipeg Jets at the Bell Centre. First game with uh, Claude Julien uh, behind the bench. And, well, if you would just look at the score and the overall play of the Canadians, you think that nothing much changed since the last stretch of the games with the Michel Tenier behind the behind the bench. But in your eyes, did anything stand out for you in the game against the Winnipeg Jets? Did you see anything different or anything particular stand out for you? Well, first of all, it's just weird. Seeing seeing Claude Julien behind the Canadiens bench is weird. Uh, Arpin Basu tweeted that, and I agree wholeheartedly. Um, He's been the the Bruins coach for 10 years. He's a Bruin. Um, And anyone who, who, you know, gets drawn into that Canadians-Bruins rivalry just thinks this is odd. Um, And and plus all of the the shady stuff that's gone on, including the chair of Pacioretty thing, um, over the, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to embrace this immediately. Having said that, um, you know, I, I think it's a mistake to say that, that there was, uh, there was no changes. Yes. Um, the, the result may have been, been the same, but, um, Claude Julien's going to change tactics. Um, you know, we saw, we saw them use a box on the penalty kill. The Canadian's penalty kill has been terrible. We saw them, rather than the diamond formation they've been using this year, they used a box. That's Claude Julien. He's always had a good power play or, or a penalty kill. Um, we saw them use the middle much more in their zone exits. Under Tarion, it was off the boards and out. So tactics are going to be different. Claude Julien has always had um, teams that are really strong on the back end. They limit chances against. That's going to be very different than, than um, Michelle Therrien. Um, that's going to help. Um, you know, there's been some criticism of, of Shea Weber. Look at how long um, that Julian has been able to extend Chara's career. Um, he's, he knows how to, how to limit chances against. Um, but there was, there was a couple of things in the post game that I, th- I found fascinating. One thing was that Julian mentioned, I think it was three times that what he, he saw and that the, the major problem with the team was their lack of confidence. And that goes back to when we were, we were speaking about before a very fragile team, a, a, a team that, that doesn't feel that they can make mistakes. They're very fragile. They're, they lack confidence that's going to take a, a long time for, you know, Julian can, can put these, these uh, systems in place and it's going to take a little bit of time for players, but they're professionals. They, they, can, they can adapt to that over, you know, a series of games. The rebuilding of the confidence, that's going to take longer. But the fact that he noticed it, the fact that he, um, you know, recognizes it and knows that's his major job, that's a huge start. And, correspondingly all we heard um after yesterday's game and after the 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 practice that you talked about was from the players was how positive uh julian is the the positive all the messages were filled with positivity that that um you know we saw we saw nestor off yesterday Uh, he was he was uh, too passive he was backing off and it led to a scoring chance he went to the bench 
uh, Julian put his arm around him and explained how he should have have uh, approached that and then patted him on the back. It was it was delivered in a positive way, not a condescending, um, uh, threatening kind of way. And so I think that that that's that's going to be the major, major difference. There's going to be systems differences, but the major difference is going to be the the positive messages, the opening of communication and the players being receptive to the messages of the coach because it's delivered in a positive way. And in that way, that will help start rebuilding their confidence and let them be the, the, the players that they they can be and let them regain their identity um, that they had earlier in the season. That um, uh, he, he doesn't want to throw too many things at us. He'd rather us go out there and, and uh, have to pull us back than to push us forward. And, and I think uh, he wants us to play with a lot of energy, um, play with confidence, and also try and keep our speed. Well, I think that you could see there was a lot of uh, nervousness uh, in the group, but also a little lack of confidence right now. Uh, I found we were in between in a lot of areas, you know, and we weren't quite sure. Uh, you know, and that's, uh, that's not system, it's confidence. And uh, I think we need to... to uh, find our confidence here in these in the next uh, couple of days before we head out to New York. And well, Rick, um, Claude Julien spent a lot of time before the game as well and after the practice saying that he, he was picking the brain of all the people that were around him. And the, what there's a couple of players that we were curious to see what would happen with the new head coach. So that was uh, Alex Galchenyuk was probably the main uh, player that we were looking for. And then as soon as the practice started on Friday, we saw him uh, practicing with Radulov and Patretti, so he was back on the first line. Another change that we did see was uh, Plekanitz, who was in a line with uh, Byron and uh, Brendan Gallagher, and then Dano was in the third line with the Lekkonen and uh, Andrew Shaw. And, well, I think for Claude Julien, uh, coming into a new team, you know, he wants to give a good first impression to his uh, players. I think he had no choice but to put Galchenyuk uh, at least to start off on the first line. Because, let's be honest, Philip Dano, whether he would have played in the first line or the third line, he'd still be happy. He's still happy that he's in the NHL. He's still developing. He he has a long career going forward. And, well, that's excluding the fact that Dano is more of a third-line center than a first-line center. But if Alex Galchenyuk, if he started him off on a, a third line instead of the first line, well, Galchenyuk seems like the top of, type of player that will sulk, and he wouldn't be happy of a move like that. So Kluge placed him on that first line, but that didn't last long. We saw in the game... Uh, against the Jets in the third period, Dano and Galchenyuk, they switched the spots uh, again. And Dano was put back on that first line with Pacioretty and Radulov. And even in the practice today, it was the same thing. Dano with Pacioretty and Radulov, and Galchenyuk was paired up with uh, Gallagher and uh, Byron. So, Rick, when you look at somebody like Alex Galchenyuk and... Maybe it's too soon, but you can easily say a second coach that sees him and well takes him off that uh, that first line. Yeah, I, I think that um, 
Julian has listened to what what his assistant coaches have said is and 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 um, Muller uh, as an associate coach, uh, but he's going to try some things out. And and even yesterday, as you said, uh, Galchenyuk started on the first, uh, um, Deno on the third. They flip flopped at the beginning of the third period, but then by with two minutes uh, left, Deno was out with Sean Lekkonen. Um, so I, I think Julian's just trying some things out today. Galchenyuk, um, in the, in the for show practice was on the second line. Uh, there was a lot of excitement that, that Markov was up on the first pairing, uh, with Weber, uh, and Emmeline was playing third pairing. Um, at, when asked afterwards, Weber said, eh, no, he's not been made my new partner. It's just because we had a lot of defensemen out there today and we're putting on a show. So who knows? I, th- I think Julian's going to try all kinds of different things uh, and to, to get his own impression of, of how they're going to play. But I think it's clear that there's, there's four things that we're going to be looking at. We're, um, what, what's going to happen to Alex Galchenyuk? Where is he going to play? Where is this all going to settle out? What's going to happen to Thomas Placanitz, number two? Um, where's he going to um, end up? What's going to happen to Nathan Beaulieu, who was awful yesterday, just awful? Uh, and and number four, what's going to happen to the Canadians' penalty kill, uh, which has been uh, at the bottom um, all season long, um, uncharacteristically so, because the Canadians usually have a good penalty kill. So I think I think those are the four things that, I'm going to be watching to see what the Julian effect is on those four situations. But I don't think we're going to be able to figure it out by, you know, Tuesday's game, or I, I think it's going to take a while to, to work itself out. So the time is now. Give us a call at one 455 Our phone lines are now open. And while we can tackle our question of the day, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? with Claude Julien as coach of the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll be going to the phone lines. We'll be looking at your tweets at Habs360. And we'll also be visiting the All Habs Facebook page. And we'll also be telling you about a contest. So stay with us. Still more or less to come. This is the Habs360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. Ticket IQ, today's leading sponsor, is a leading event ticket search engine. Offering a low price guarantee on all events in Montreal, you will not find better deals on Canadians' tickets than through Ticket IQ. Download their mobile app in the App Store or Google Play and get $20 off your first order. Head to the App Store, search Ticket IQ, and be on your way to the best deals on Canadians' tickets. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. 
Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, it's episode 199 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, February 19, 2017. My name is Chris G at Chris G1980, along with Rick Stevens at All Habs on Twitter. So our question of today's episode what are your expectations for the rest of the season with Claude Julien as coach? You can give us a call at one 4945 It's a toll-free call. We're going to begin with some comments from Twitter. First one comes from Blaine, staff writer of, uh, at allhabs.net. He writes, I'd expect to see, it, to see Montreal as a one or two seed. And if Price stays Price with the renewed team in the front, a deep run into the playoffs too. So a positive uh, blame. Bill Gartner from Belleville. Bill writes, uh, I'm not sure if uh, Rick would agree with this take. He writes, Habs should have kept Terrier saving $6 million and put that savings toward getting Jushan by offsetting instead of losing with uh, Jushan. So uh, thank you for the tweet. Uh, okay. Yeah, for the tweet, Bill. But you know, the the the, um, the salary of a coach doesn't count in the salary cap, so they could still could have managed to get both if they wanted to. And next tweet comes from Scott Thompson, who is a very uh, positive and optimistic uh, Hobbs fan. For any changes expecting under Julien, he writes not Julien Bergevin. So he expects Bergevin to uh, make uh, some moves. And, and Rick, let's address this quickly. Uh, that being said, a coaching change was done. Uh, it was needed. But I still think it's not enough for the Canadians. Want to be a contender for the Cup and you want to do it this year, they're going to need some help with, uh, with a couple of players on the ice as well. They do. Um it was it was interesting though that um, Bergevin said that that uh, the trade deadline is not 
and I agree with him on this. The trade deadline is not the best time. The the, the best time is in the off season to add uh, those impact kind of players. Um, so I I'm not sure where his thinking is. Um, if you know, lots of lots of fans are kind of thinking that this is the season um, that the Canadians have to make a push. Um, perhaps by making this move. Uh, Bergevin's looking more long-term that uh, he gets the, the, the ship righted. He gets players confidence back um, has a, you know, a decent playoff run. And then he, he examines where the holes are and, and he addresses that in, in the off season. Um, Cause he, he seemed to think that for this season, the solutions, uh, he said something about that. The solutions have to come internally. Um so, you know, who knows? He could just be posturing. He could be uh, trying not to sound desperate with uh, with his his trade partners. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I'm not I'm not as convinced that he feels the the real sense of urgency that this is the year uh, that the fans and some media feel. So can they still have five games to play before trade deadline? And we'll be looking ahead to a trade deadline uh, during next week's episode. And next tweet comes from uh, Skills, from uh, Brandon. Uh, Skills writes, unlike under MT, I don't expect many changes. Possibly see pattern in game and small system changes again. Not too many line changes. Increased confidence, stellar price, better PK and uh, PP and hopefully some better offense after chemistry is uh, developed. So thank you for the tweets, uh, skills. And it's kind of weird. We spoke about earlier in the episode that uh, Patteron threw uh, the coach under the bus, and while under Claude Julien, it seems like the first two games Patteron won't be playing. Uh, Tim Michael Butley writes, Team poorly put together. Upgrade in coaching a positive, but several player changes needed. Plan for next year so. Tim seems to be um, thinking along the lines that you are, uh, Rick. Uh, then Gino from Laval, he writes for Mark Bergevin to get rid of, oh boy, there's a list. There's so many players. He has to write the numbers. Uh, Plekanet, Dernay, Shaw, uh, Mitchell, Flynn, Sven Andrigero. Get bigger and tougher for a long playoff run. Add the top six center and left wing, of course. Pattern in, Nesterov out. Call up Udon and play him with uh, Plekanet and Gallagher, even though we're trying to get rid of Plekanet. Give him a shot. Put uh, Byron on the left and fourth line and uh, send Andrigetto back down to the AHL. If we lose him on waivers, no big deal. So thank you for uh, the tweets, uh, Gino. So Gino wants to do a whole... Uh, I, uh, Honestly, it looks like a rebuild, what Gino wants to do. But so thank you for the tweets, Gino. Rick, what is the look at on the Yahab's Facebook page? I, I know, just following up on Gino, I know a lot of people look at the stats and want Houdon to come up, but um, they obviously haven't seen him play. Um, Houdon and, is a point-of-game player in the AHL. Uh, Andrew Ghetto is a point-of-game player in the AHL. Uh, Andrew Ghetto is much more mature. He's smarter. He skates much better than than Houdon, and uh, he's he's Andrew Ghetto is very good defensively, which Houdon isn't. So 
be patient with with uh, players like Houdon. He's he's a good talent, but he needs he needs some time there. Uh, on Facebook, asking about expectations um, of Claude Julien, Reese Cannon says, "Well, that remains to be seen. A couple of top six forwards and a top four D would go a long way." although it'll be a short-lived Band-Aid unless the whole team starts giving a 60-minute effort. Sens are only two points back now. Too many fans are going nuts over the first loss with Julien, but it'll take time to adjust away from the dumb, from the dumb and chase that's been driven down their throats. Have faith, Habs fans. Um, so I, I think he's happy with the... Uh, Reese is happy with the change at coaching. Uh, Mark Bazanson says, Sens and Bruins only six points behind us. The Leafs are only seven. Um, and there's some games in hand there, particularly when it comes to the Sens. Uh, boys have to start winning games to distance themselves from the pack. Um, MB needs to make a trade before the deadline. Uh, have the Rangers in New York on Tuesday, which is going to be a big game. Leafs on Saturday night in T.O. Big games for big points. Need to get it going soon, Montreal. Jason Broussard says, wow, that, what a collapse. Just hoping they can keep in the playoffs race. Matt Sedella says, from a Bruins fan, who's sad Julian is not part of the organization anymore, I can say that I expect that Price will be protected much more on the ice. Ian uh, Descalu, uh, he, like, uh, I think it was Gino, had a long list of players that needed to be traded. Well, Ian has a very long list. Here's a list of players he wants traded. Uh, Beaulieu, Weber, and he says in brackets, I'm serious with an with a exclamation mark. Andrew Shaw, David Darnay, Thomas Pocanitz, Alex Galchenyuk, in brackets, serious again. Andre Markov, I don't know. I don't know why Markov's receiving any criticism. He's having a great year, and he was terrific yesterday. Uh, Price was spectacular yesterday. Andre Markov was incredible yesterday. I don't know if I can say that about anybody else on the team, but Price and, and Markov were great against the Jets. Continuing his list of players he wants to ditch, um, Jeff Petrie, oh, please, in brackets, he says, Nesterov. I don't know who's, there's not many left. Um, He said, allow me to clean things up, and I promise a cup. Okay. Uh, Bruce Herney says, wow, the Habs still need to get some big forwards, as it was evident yesterday as they were crushed many times by the Jets. Yeah, the Jets are a big team. Jets are an aggressive team. Uh, they're great on the rush. Jets are terrible in their own end, which unfortunately the, the Canadians didn't spend much time there. Um, but um, one of the players that uh, Claude Julien remarked on yesterday was Mike McCarron. Thought he had a uh, a decent game. Um, Barb Riando says, I'm very disappointed in the Habs performance against the Jets. I expected motivation, desire, and pride. None were evident. Uh, I'll read one more. That's from um, Michael Parsons. He says, say goodbye to first place. We'll be lucky to hang on to a wild card, wild card spot. Matt Deshane would be a nice addition. So thank you, everybody, for your comments on the All Hatch Facebook page. And you can always go to the uh, Facebook page right now and join in the uh, conversation. And all speaking about that first place, I also got uh, a tweet about it last night that the Senators – 
They're only two points behind the Canadians, and they have three games in hand, and the Senators might go on top of the Montreal Canadiens. And the only thing that I went back to first, and I'm like, you know, if you really think about it, is that really a bad thing if the Canadians don't finish first in the Atlantic? And the reason behind that is if the playoffs would start now, uh, the Canadians would face the New York Rangers in the first round. So if the Senators beat the Canadians, the Canadians would face the Panthers. So who would you rather face in the first round of the playoffs? It would be the Panthers or the Rangers. I'd easily say that the Florida Panthers is probably the the preferred (laughs) team to face in the first round. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on Hams 360. Well, Rick, with the Michel Therrien getting fired this week, uh, Twitter must have been uh, exploding out of happiness because it seems like everybody on Twitter uh, wanted the coach fired. <laughs> we had a lot of a lot of tweets to choose from this week. I'm gonna. We've talked a lot about uh, Michel Therrien, and I'm, I'm not gonna choose any of those tweets that that bash him. Uh, there was one that I just thought was kind of funny, um, f- or funny or sad, I guess you can say from a, uh, from go Habs go nine, 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 who is obviously, uh, well, from his other tweets, he's obviously a huge fan of David Dayarnay. Um, he says the Habs did not score many goals in the last few weeks. Who isn't playing? Didi. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that's going to solve everything. Um, but as far as bad tweets, I might give this as the bad tweet of the year. We, we, we got lots of time left, but this is certainly a candidate. Uh, Patrick O'Sullivan is a T- TSN analyst, and this one goes back to his tweet goes back to um, August, uh, when, uh, and he was talking about um, Alexander Radulov, and he said. Um, I'd be shocked if Radulov gets 40 points this season and if he's not a healthy scratch at points this year. Well, um, Patrick, uh, I'm sure you are very shocked because he's uh, Radulov is already beyond the 40-point the barrier and uh, hasn't been a healthy scratch, and I don't expect that to be happening at all. So um, <laughs> that's my nominee for um, – bad tweet of the week and certainly um, a candidate for bad tweet of the year. All right, then, uh, as we've been teasing uh, for the entire episode, uh, today is episode 199. And, well, to celebrate the 200th episode of the Habs 360 podcast, which will be next Saturday, we are excited to provide one Habs fan with an opportunity to win a $100 gift card to Tavern Gaspar. And while at Tavern Gaspar, every night drinks flow generously, as the kitchen serves a fresh pub-style cooking, the menu, soulful staples, original cocktails, and the friendly service in a classic tavern setting. And it's very simple to enter the contest. You follow Hab360 on Twitter, but you already do, right? So that's uh, checkmark number one. And then the second step is you tweet a photo to Hab360 of yourself holding a sign or a piece of paper or anything, or a graphic if you're, if you're good with computers, the right Congratulations on episode 200 of the Habs360 podcast on allhabs.net. And then when you tweet it, use the hashtag showyourhabs. The deadline to enter the contest is on February 24th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And while you'll be able to see your entry along with other entries by visiting showyourhabs.com. So it's very simple to enter the contest. At the end of the contest, a winner will be randomly chosen from uh, all the winners. The winner will be announced during next week's uh, episode 
of the Habs 360 podcast. For more information on Tavern Gaspar, visit the website taverngaspar.com. So a very big and a very special episode of Habs 360 coming up uh, next week. So, Rick, uh, thanks for today's episode. And, well, hopefully this whole Michel Terran discussion that we've been having over the last year, year and a half, I I think it will probably rest. And we'll we'll start a new discussion. We'll find a new topic to to, uh, discuss and argue about. Oh well, we'll certainly find other things to uh, to disagree about, and 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 that's uh, that's what makes this fun. Uh, glad to jo- uh, join you again in in a busy week, and look forward to episode two hundred next week. Yeah, so thank you very much as well to uh, all our followers on Twitter, everybody who left their comments on the Hab's Facebook page, and all of you for listening. Coming up next week, like we mentioned, episode two hundred, a couple of surprises. We'll also announce the winner of the contest. And we'll also be looking ahead to the trade deadline and what to expect for the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Chris G at ChrisG1980 on Twitter. Have a good week. We're back at a regular time next Saturday, 2, 2 p.m. Eastern. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.